Tell of all his wondrous works. Tell of all his wonders. No one can fathom. Tell of all his wonders. Remember the wonders he has done. No one can fathom. Wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell. Hey guys, this is Wonderful to Tell. I'm Tracy Conrad. We have a slightly different format for this episode as we bring you three amazing women who recently shared their story at a Wonderful to Tell recording session. What an honor to introduce you to our guests, Marilyn Randall, Jennifer Smith, and Dr. Shalindra Thomas. They are co-authors of two books, Coveted Conversations, and their children's book entitled Image Bearer, and currently have a third book in the works. I hope you enjoy this glimpse into the lives of these three gifted storytellers who, more importantly, share a deep and abiding friendship with one another. Good evening. My name is Shalindra Thomas, and I'm here with my co-authors, Marilyn Randall and Jennifer Smith, and we have been on a five-year journey together. And several people have asked us about that journey. They asked us about our our journey more than they asked us sometimes about the book. (laughs) Because they're saying, how did you three get together? How did you stay together? How did you write together? And so, Marilyn, to me, you just tell the story so well. So could you just kind of share how we met? So probably about five years ago, Shalinda was speaking at a luncheon, which she often does, and Jen and I had had the opportunity on many occasions just to sit at her feet. And this particular luncheon uh, was at her school, had a school at the time. Uh, she was at Schofield. We went to, and heard her speak, and we were just having so much fun. But we had to get to that point because the day that she was speaking was a storm. And not only was there a storm brewing over the city, there was a storm brewing in our lives at that time, most of us. And little did we know that um, this would be segue into what it did. We left uh, an amazing time of her speaking and just kind of in awe of the moment, went back to her office. And literally, she just said, why don't we write a book? And Jen and I were like, okay. (laughs) We'll talk about this again next year. Yeah, next, we, we figured we'd get together again in some time. Yeah, a year from then <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. Two weeks later, we were sitting in Shalindra's family room with our notebooks <clears throat> and the um, blessings of our family just writing. And I remember uh, Shalindra kind of laid down the law that day and said, you know, this is kind of what we're going to, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have a clue of where it would go, if it would go anywhere. We just wanted to write. And Shalindra tells this part best of how she lacked community with Mm -hmm. other women versus her peers and their teachers Mm -hmm. and Uh, All of us have daughters, and so uh, we knew those stories. But uh, just some of the things that we had gone through, and we agreed that day to just be transparent. And when we started writing, we were like, ooh, are we really going to tell these stories? And uh, we did. You know, it's so funny, and Marilyn just spoke to this, but 
I think I was at a point in my life where I had just been head of school for, I don't know, 18 years. And if any of you all know about head of school, it's a, such a demanding <clears throat> job. It's like 24 seven. Um, and so all I had time was for, was for my school, my four or 500 students or 200 students, whatever school I was at, and then my family. And that was it. And it's so funny because I, I was director of women's ministry for years, but I gave that up when I accepted the head of school position. And so um, I was really missing relationships. And I think if you look into the word of God, the Bible, it talks about having a relationship with God and a relationship with others. And that's how up. Others is how when we interact with others, they see Christ through us and and just loving on others. That's how you show Christ to other people. And that was missing in my life. It was great with my family, my husband and my daughters and my grandson. But I really had neglected it with others in my life. And so when they came, and it was so funny because it was a storm, and I didn't think they were going to come because it was a bad storm, but they persevered. And I was just so thankful that they were there. And we had, it was probably about 100 women there at the luncheon, and we had such a, it was such a sweet spirit there. And I think, a little selfishly, I wanted it to continue because I missed it so. And that's what, if, if no one you know, read the book or anything, and, and, and thousands have read the book, so God has done more than we could have ever imagined. But what we have had for five years walking through this together has been amazing. And just the fellowship, and God knew, you know, it's like, who knew God knew? He knew we would each need this because we've each had some major obstacles that we didn't even know five years ago that we've had to walk through and help each other walk through. And I remember one night where we were going through one of the major obstacles, we were like, well, let's not meet because, you know, we, we just don't want, you know, and we said, no, we need to meet even more. And so we met and we prayed like just half the time before we even wrote. And just the support and just the love. And it hadn't always been easy either, you know. And, and I think that's what I tell people. You really don't have a real relationship until you've fallen out and gotten back together. <laughs> and that's a real relationship. And so we've just learned so many. I call them lessons learned through this journey. Jen, you want to share some? I think I often reflect about the day of the storm because my daughter has this uh, Volkswagen Bug that was a stick shift, and I had not learned how to drive it, but probably a month. And it was raining so hard, but Shalindra asked, would you be my guest at this luncheon? And I was determined... Oh, I'm going. Now I'm driving from DeSoto out 35 to Tollway to all the way to Richardson. And the storm was bad. And I was like, Lord, I'm supposed to be there. And I, I, I didn't really know if I was going to be in traffic, if I was going to be on the side of the road, where I was going to be in that bug. <laughs> but I made it in the storm. And me and Merlin were sitting in the parking lot on the phone. Are you here? Where are you? I'm on the other side of the building. And so both of us made it. And we knew we were both, we both felt very special to be invited. 
And so when we got in there and Dr. Thomas was the speaker, you know, we were all privileged and honored. And then she said, come back to my office, come back. And so, okay. And we just went really going to kind of tell her, you know, how things went. And when she invited us to write the book, we really didn't know what it was going to be about. We just said, okay, because we trusted her. And that was the start of when you decide to do something with somebody is really based on trust. And we know mm-hmm. that for any type of relationship, if I still want to borrow this dress, you got to trust that I'm going to wear that dress and get that dress back to you. Or if I said, let me borrow your, you know, these days charger. Okay. Well, when you finish with that charger, I need it back. What's your percentage? You know, you, you trust that the person is going to give it back to you and look out for you. And so we trusted one another going into the project and it has been just that. I mean, I feel like each one of us are at different seasons of our lives, but each one of us have gained so much from the experience, just the wisdom the past experiences, the gifts that each one of us have, how we've shared. And me being the youngest, I felt like I had the least to bring. And being selfish, I knew I would gain the most. Not wanting to be selfish, but it is what it is. Sometimes when they have so much they've done and can give it back to me, I just feel as though I'm obligated to take that wisdom and use it. And so the experience in itself has been phenomenal. But just being, I feel like, uh, blessed to be in the position to sit amongst the ladies, I have no opportunity other than to gain and grow. And then, of course, when I gain and grow, I'm obligated to give it back. Poor things, y'all get everything that I get because I feel like I'm <laughs> obligated. So any of the younger generation coming behind, I feel like, God, you've given me this wisdom from these ladies and this opportunity to share with them. I have to give it back. And it's, it's really been a joy. Yeah. It's so funny because I've just learned so much through this journey in that being a principal, I'm kind of like judge and jury every day. Every problem that happens in that school is at my door, and I listen to both sides, and I make a verdict. And so a lot of times I say a lot of times your strength is your weakness. That's a strength of mine, and it served me well as being an administrator, a leader in a school. But a lot of times that strength doesn't serve you well with your friends, or especially your husband. My husband has had to tell me many times, you're not the principal here, dear. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that I think I've learned, too, through this process is the Bible says in Matthew, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your friends or your brother's. And sometimes you just need to sit back and listen and receive. And your way is not always the right way. And sometimes you do just need to sit and pray and laugh and enjoy. Because I come in, I have an agenda. Ladies, what are you talking about? Let's just get on it. And so they've really taught me how to relax more and just enjoy the moment more. And Marilyn always had a wonderful meal, real cloth napkins when we came over in China. And I love the way she, before we ate, she would serve her husband and things like that on a little tray and get his food on. She's just Miss Hospitality. And I told Gary, I said, first off, Gary, do not ever tell Mr. Thomas what's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) And so... But I have just learned so much from just sitting at her feet. They talk about sitting at my feet, sitting at their feet. And just uh, Jen, I feel like Jen is the glue that holds us together Mm. because she's just so um, just so relational. 
and she cares for us so much. And if something's going on, Jen is going to be right there. When my mother just went home to be with the Lord, she was right there. She said, is there anything I want to do? Marilyn and I are going to be over there. And it, it's just been a wonderful experience for me. And, you know, one, people ask all the time, well, do you all ever fall out or anything? And I think I get on their nerves sometimes. <laughs> and what uh, was so wonderful, like they're mad. They won't say it, but I'll hear about it later. But they're mad because I didn't come at the time they wanted me to come today. We not mad. <laughs> and so, but what's so wonderful, they love me unconditionally. You know, with all my junk, they, they love it. And they know how to gently tell me about it. And uh, they know how to love me through it. I think we all have. Mm-hmm. And there have been times when we've disagreed. On you can imagine, you know, three women. Um, we disagree and we don't see things eye to eye all the time. And when we get to those, you know, those passes where we can't get through, we just uh, stop and pray. Or sometimes we just stop and say, we're just going to put this on the burner and we'll, we'll revisit it again because we're going nowhere now, mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the things that I encourage people to do, you know, that uh, or have any conflict or anything to sometimes you just have to step back. A lot of times when conflict happens, you want to jump all in it. Let's let's get it on now, you know, <laughs> and it's like you need to just step back and think about it and pray about it. And 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 differences are really good. God didn't make cookie cutters. He, he made us all different, and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing, you know, because if we were all alike, one of us would be, all of us, two of us would be indispensable. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, necessary, and so, or dispensable, so. Um, I think we've learned a lot of lessons, a lot of valuable lessons that got us to this point. And one thing that we learned is... Um, to be in the wait room. Sometimes you just have to wait mm. for the next step. We've gotten, we've been in, um, so our launch was November 3rd, 2017. Mm-hmm. And going into the launch, we'd never written a book. We'd never launched a book. We'd never published. Mm-hmm. We've never ha- had an editor. To this day, we've never physically met the editor that did mm-hmm. our first book. Mm-hmm. But we just were obedient to doing the work, the research, mm-hmm. and talking to other writers and um, figuring out what would work for us. So um, as you're waiting on things to happen, we've encouraged other women, tell your story, write your book, sing your song, write your play, whatever it is. This for us was... Um, I think all three of us have a lot. We're very different, very much three different people. But the thing that we have in common uh, is that we don't own this. Mm. We wanted God to truly get the glory out of this. And so we just did it and watched what he has done. Mm. And we've seen that happen with as we've listened to your stories on Wonderful to Tell and other places, we've just seen what he's doing. And so it's not um, exclusive to us, but this is our story and we're telling it and uh, enjoying it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and enjoying it. 
but we we see so many other stories out there that we love being a part of. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I remember the night of the launch, uh, even the day leading up to it. You know, we got our books in hand like maybe a week before, and it was just like, this is it. This is real. We, we did this, and that was a big uh, experience. But the night of the launch, I know it took me two days, maybe three, to come back. I was just on top saying, God, if this is what it looks like to do something for you, it was phenomenal. We felt as though we were I mean, not just celebrities, but like red carpet, you know, Emmy night, Oscar, the, the, the top of the top. The people who came celebrated us as if we were, you know, just, of course, more than we are. But they felt they made us feel as though we had done a phenomenal thing. And all that we had done was been obedient to what God had put on our hearts and just said everything that we write, we want to honor you. Everything that we do, we want to honor you in every capacity. And the people that contributed to that night, uh, it was so many blessings involved that we still can't sit back and say, who did we do? Who do we not thank? Who do we miss? Who do we, when we were sitting right now, thank you cards out. It was just name after name after name of people who said, let me help you guys with this. Let me do it. And so what, whatever you're doing, if you are doing it sincerely for the Lord, he will bless it. He will carry it. He will lift it beyond what you can imagine because we had an idea for maybe 50 people. And then we said we could probably do 100 amongst three of us. And then I think it was over 300. But we had parking and we had food and we had lights and we had sound. And I mean, we just had so much more than what we could have ever imagined for us. And that's when we say, you try doing it and it's going to be 200 or 50. <laughs> Let the Lord do it, and it can be whatever he chooses. And the, night, the feeling that we had that night, I said, Lord, if we don't sell a book at all, if we don't sell one book, which we did sell about 500 books we that sold night, out. Yeah. we sold beyond what we had in there and then some online, we felt like we had done it all to him, and he got the glory that night because it was not our story that night. It was really about him. And seeing that night come together, we've never said we'll do anything secondhand. I mean, it's always been... If God wants it to happen, it will happen. And the standard has been put in place. And going back to uh, was saying something about how Merlin has always served us to this standard. It happens when we have to host. And Shalindra and I don't host often because, you know, we don't pull it off like Merlin. But we've been we've been treated at her so many times. When she comes up, we're never doing paper plates, ever. Oh, Shalindra, you do? Oh, no, I'm not doing paper. Oh, we got dishes. We, we have china? We have china. So Shalindra pulls out the china now. I try to pull out the china now. And so we've all sat at Maryland's table, and the standard has been raised. And I think the book launch, we were launching uh, Image Bearer, and we said, well, what are we going to do? Maryland said, do what we do. We, we give that to the Lord, and we serve uh, on the same platter, and we set the same standard. So the standard is not what we would do, but what Lord, the Lord has shown us that he would have for us. And so the experience has always been not what we can do, but what the Lord can do through us. And even just, you know, a small, small vision becomes grand mm -hmm. when you don't decide that you're doing this on your own because your plan is minimal mm -hmm. compared to what God can do. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons that we wrote this book is that we have 21 stories in this book. And each story is a devotional, but it's a little twist on a devotional because each woman finds herself in a little dilemma. And it was so funny when we were writing this because as a principal and a head of school, I'm rather, and I think just my personality, I'm rather guarded. You know, I'm just because I can't, as a principal's role, I can't, 
you know, I've got to always be calm, always together. I can't share too much. You know, all those pieces that go with that. But they were like, we've got to be transparent. I was like, transparent. And several times I was like, we can't write that. And they said, yes, we are. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's glorifying God. And so we wanted really real, genuine situations that women find themselves in. And um, one of the, the first one, a story we penned was crying over spilt milk. And it's about a woman who finds herself uh, just made a poor decision. And she made a poor decision, really not a poor decision. A lot of times we call them poor decisions, but it's really sin. She really sinned. And uh, because when you marry somebody, when you're unequally yoked, that's really a sin, you know, when they're not a believer. And now she's reaping the consequences of that. And so she's crying over spilt milk because her parents told her, her friends told her, her family told her, and she didn't listen. And so how many times as we as women have found ourselves, or men, found ourselves crying over spilt milk? We knew. You know, it's so, sometimes we go into things and we just know. <laughs> and everybody tells us. And we liken it in the story to like when you go, uh, we, uh, my grandson went to Six Flags the other day and they have those huge signs on there. They say, please don't ride if you're pregnant. Please don't ride if you have back problems. Heart please, <laughs> or heart conditions. Please, this ride has many twists and turns, you know, heights, dips. Please don't go. But we disregard this. They've tried to warn us, but we disregard it and get on it anyway. And then what's the first thing we do when we hit that first dip? Ah! <laughs> you know, but we can't stop it. The ride is not going to stop and let you off until it's finished. And that's how life is a lot. We were warned. We can handle it. We go on and do it. Soon as that first thing hits, we're hollering. Mm-hmm. But God's not going to let us off right now because you got to go the ride, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't get off until the ride is finished. And so uh, this is where this young lady finds herself. And so really what we wanted to do to encourage women that it's okay sometimes when we make mistakes or do sins because what's so beautiful about it, that Jesus has the solution for it. He paid it. And so he's paying for our sins, past, present, and future. And so, and just receiving that and living it every day, it can be challenging because a lot of times we, we ask for forgiveness And God has forgiven us. He looks at Jesus and he's forgiven us, but we keep on beating up ourselves. You know, we just, we just continue and we let others beat up on us. And it's just a vicious cycle instead of stepping off that and really claiming and receiving the forgiveness that God has already provided for us on the cross. And, and walking in that fullness and believing it every day and not taking that guilt and shame back on you because it's already been paid. And when he looks at us, when we're in Christ, he sees his son. And so um, just wanted to encourage women that it's OK, because I think a lot of times I've ran into women that mistakes and sins they did 30 years ago. 
They had a baby out of wedlock 30, 40 years ago, and they're still carrying that weight on them. And I'm like, did you ask for forgiveness? You know, you're okay. You know, let's just go on and you're out of that sin. Okay, let's go on and walk the way, you know, God wants you to walk. We're heirs to the throne and we're not walking in that truth, so. Um, and, you know, kind of close to the time that I met Dr. Thomas, uh, I had recently encountered the loss of my mom. And, you know, we met, I knew I was a fraction of the person that I was prior to it, but she knew me as uh, who I was that day. And so when we decided to write, um, we did discuss, you know, some of the stories we would write about and how honest we would be. Well, something that was very near and dear to me was loss. Um, how do you deal with loss? How do you deal with the loss of a dog, the loss of a mother, the loss of a child, sometimes the loss of a job or a home, a marriage? Everybody's grief is different, but everybody grieves. And so that was a story that I wanted to make sure we put out there because it was such an impactful part of my life, not just for a year or two, but for many years, because it just doesn't go away. And I felt as though if I was encountering it, you know, other people were as well. And everybody's story was not the same, but everybody had some form of grief. So we wrote the story Lost, and it talks about how do you move forward? How do you go forward when life is not the same? And I'm a big news watcher all the time, and I'll watch a story, and I recognize from the day that this happens, you know, oh, everybody's thinking about the family. But I'm still three months down the line saying, what's that family doing now that they don't have their mom? Or how's that mother coping now that they don't have their daughter? And so those things stay in my head based on the experience that I had. And I've often, you know, I deal with grief differently now than I did, because before I lost my mom. But the story that I wanted to make sure we shared is what's right and what's wrong. You know, what does God say about loss? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Who do you turn to? And then how do you go, go forward in life? Because one of the things that we always know is the person who, who, who you lost, they don't want your life to end. They don't want your life to be over with. But you have to figure out how to keep going. So that story was very uh, detailed out of here. And it was very much true of me in regards to me losing my mom. And uh, my oldest daughter is 24 now. She was four. And I remember my mom had only been probably um, gone for about five or six months, and we had grandparents' day at her school, and she was four years old. Oh, grandparents' day. You know, what do you do? What do you do? And my, mom, my husband's mom was around. She could do grandmother or granddad, but it was just not going to happen if my mother wasn't there. So that was devastating for me. And then the child lost the tooth. But what do you do when the tooth comes out? You just take it out. But I needed somebody to tell me that. It was like life changing for me. I needed to pick up the phone to my mom to tell me, just have her rinse her mouth out, honey. That's all she needs to do. But I feel like that was a big milestone for me that I needed my mom there. And it's the simplest of things, but these are crises when you're grieving. I mean, literally, what do you do? And so eventually, you know, getting through the two laws, getting through Grandparents' Day and getting through, you know, other things, uh, I sought counseling and I realized that helped me. And so many times we choose not to because we feel like, oh, we're going to get past it. Oh, we're good. But oftentimes we're not. And I felt like coming from an African-American uh, family and African-American church, 
you didn't deal with counseling. You just talked to somebody and they said, you know, keep a picture up and go on. And that was not productive. You know, I needed some help. And so in this, um, I encourage anybody who's struggling, not just with grief, but definitely for grief to seek counseling, because in me understanding this is God's picture. This is not my picture. This was, you know, destined before me. Uh, and I'll get through it. I saw counseling and, and got a better understanding of how to move forward. And of course, started to learn, learn to live um, with the memories and with the lessons that have been given to me and the value that I had been had been instilled with me from my mom. And even to be a comforter to those who experience loss, because everybody's grief was different. And I saw that. But everybody grieved and everybody valued somebody being there for them. So that's one of the stories in here. And even though it got some cute little twists and turns, the bottom result is you got to go on. You have to go on and just trust in the Lord to get you through the next steps and even putting people in your life that will help you through it. That was one of the uh, mm-hmm. stories that had to get in yeah. these pages. I'll speak to grief as well since we're talking about that. Uh, I remember the night Linda challenged us to do the stories on grief and each of us had one and very... All of them were very close to us. I lost three siblings, um, two to cancer and an older brother, younger in my high school and when I was in high school. And I just remember with my last brother um, just crying out to the Lord and asking him, I was like, come on, Lord, don't you have some other people that you can work with? What, you know, what else do we need to learn here? And I remember in that the night I wrote that story and when mm-hmm. we came back together it was a conference call when we did those entries and I said I don't know if this is going to work or not but I remember starting it with how dare you think that you are the only one and um, the the story that I got from my youngest brother when we would sit together and talk as he was entering uh, the end of his life transitioning, I remember telling Kenny, I said, Kenny, you know, I just don't know. His name has changed in the book. But I said, I just don't know, Uh, you know. And I'll never forget uh, that I coined the phrase, Kenny taught us more in death than he did in life. He left here saying, this side or the other, I'm okay. And I thought, wow. That's a good place to be in. Yeah. A lot of times there's a lot of different types of loss. That talked about, you know, loss of a loved one, a mom. But you can also grieve the loss of a job mm-hmm. or grieve the loss of a marriage or grie- grieving the loss of gaining 20 pounds or, <laughs> you know, not looking the way you used to look or grieving the loss of, you know, not being where you want to be in your career or not finishing college. It's a lot of things as it part of the human experience is that we're not going to have everything. And Learning how to deal with loss in a healthy way and going through the process when something doesn't work out or God closes a door that we know how to walk through that process healthy, you know, and and sometimes you you need help walking through Mm -hmm. that process because when things don't turn out the way you think they're going to turn out, it can be very difficult. One of the things that I really had to deal with is lo- with loss is when my uh, college 
daughter, she came home, she graduated from uh, college and she had a bachelor's degree. And I t I, now I can laugh about it, but back then I was not a happy camper. She came, I tell people she came home with a bachelor's and a baby. I mean, I was just devastated on so many levels. I think the first level was just, you know, we had been believers. My husband and I had been believers for a long time. We had gone true love waits, and she had been through the church of Juana and went to the Christian camps, and we didn't let her watch anything on TV. I mean, we did all those things, you know. And so when that happened, I was just like, wow, did, did we? And I'm a teacher, so I'm like, if you do XX and X, they're supposed to know how to read. Or you do XX and X, and they're supposed to know how to do math. But we did XX and X, and we got like Z or something. I don't know <laughs> what happened. And uh, just dealing um, with, we, my husband and I, we'd been in careers where we didn't make a lot of money. And I stayed at home when they were younger. And so we sacrificed a lot to like send her to college and to do, you know, all the things, do the piano lessons, do the choir lessons, things like that. And I was like, I, I mean, I, I was just, and I had to grieve that loss, you know, and, and my husband really helped me through it because I was just so devastated that, um, I don't know. And I had to go through all the stages being angry, you know, uh, being a sad until you finally get to acceptance. It was a journey that I had to take. And so but now if I don't tell you that little boy is the joy of our lives, I tell you. And <laughs> and, and she got counseling and we went through the whole thing. But uh, it, it's, you have different types of loss in your life. Even Christians have loss. Mm -hmm. And just because we're believers, I tell people all the time, it doesn't, uh, some people think you become a Christian and everything just goes away. And it really doesn't. And not at all. I think even if you're serious about your walk in Christ, I think more things come because Satan is trying to throw you off. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes you just have to walk, and not sometimes, all the time, it's a faith walk. God, I don't understand what you're doing. I can't see, but I trust you, and I believe in you, and I'm going to just keep on walking. So, yeah. As we were writing these stories, whether they were grief or whether they were love letters, happy anniversary, <coughs> or... Whatever the stories were that we were writing, Mike, our gifting, we learned so much. On our website, uh, Lessons Learned, one of the things that we learned was we were better writers when we finished than when we started mm -hmm. because we were able to uh, tell the stories in a way that were real and we had lived them. And uh, really want to live intentionally. You know, with whatever time God gives us. Really, when we stand before Christ, really want him to be pleased with the time and what we did with our time. And that's just so important to us. And I feel like a lot of us as women, we, we get lost. We, we need to serve our husbands and be there for our husbands. And we need to serve our children. And, and that should be our primary ministries. But... 
just looking for ways outside of that sometimes to do little things for other people. And it's different for everyone because God made us so different with different gifts. You know, some of us have the ability of making great cookies, you know, that can really serve others. And, you know, some of us have the ability of planning things or taking people to, to the grocery store, whatever it is. And some of us need to write books and be on a speaking circuit. You know, some of us are soloists, need to sing. Whatever that is, we need to do it with excellence unto the Lord. You know, when I look at God's creation, he does everything in excellence. If you look at a flower, you know, I mean, it's just so beautiful or the ocean. And I feel like we should serve him with that type of excellence in whatever we do. And so just asking God, you know, where would you have me serve and and what would you have me do and how can I enhance your kingdom in history here on earth? And I, I just think that's just so important because it's all about the kingdom and in, en- enhancing his kingdom at this point in history on earth. Do you feel as though you've been an invited guest at a banquet feast with the good fortune of being seated amongst these three great friends and treated to their coveted conversation? There are so many nuggets of truth and wisdom sprinkled throughout this episode. We hope you savored every moment. Many thanks to Shalindra, Jennifer, and Marilyn for inviting us into their lives. To learn more about the authors and their books, Coveted Conversations, and Image Bearer, please visit our website at wonderfultotell.com, where we have photos of these remarkable ladies and links to their website. And be sure to subscribe to our show so you won't miss out on any of our episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Wonderful to Tell. This episode was produced by Michael Brad and Tracy Conrad with invaluable support of our crew members, Lindy, Kevin, Katie, Karen, Nancy, Mark, Debbie, Haley, Jeffrey, and John Alfred. Michael Conrad composed our intro, Lindy Conrad came up with our name, and Matt, Jeff, and Justin from Fort Worth High Tech Signs created our logo. If you have a story wonderful to tell, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at our website, wonderfultotell.com. And thanks for listening.